This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. They have come a very long way in that regard where you're going to see a lot more automation. I mean, a farmer, you know, could go out in the field with one of our spraying drones and cover seven to 10 acres in an hour. And, and literally the job of the person flying the drone is just mapping. They're setting up perimeters mm -hmm. and they're telling the drone where to fly and then they're hitting go. This is Trevor Williams and welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast, the home for anyone curious about where their food comes from. One of the most popular technological advancements over the past few years has been drones. Once huge and expensive machines now can easily be bought on Amazon for just a few dollars and require very little training to become an ace drone pilot. Maybe you have a drone for recreational use and haven't crashed it yet, or perhaps you're more realistically one of the common drone pilots that crashes into windows, doors, and fences, and maybe even a dog or two. Drone technology is here to stay and make our lives a bit easier in some areas. Many industries, like agriculture, are taking advantage of this emerging technology to solve problems like applying pesticides, surveying irrigation equipment and land, to even delivering beneficial insects to crops. Our guests today are David Plummer and Michael Ferguson from Illinois-based Aerial Influence, focused on drone technology. David and Michael will both explain how drone technology has changed in recent years, the many uses of drones in the agriculture industry, and what regulations drone pilots must follow. They also tell us how police and fire departments are starting to use drones by aiding in search and rescue operations, and even how drones are being used in delivery services. This is Farm Traveler Podcast, episode 47, with Aerial Influence. All right, well, David and Michael from Aerial Influence, welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing? Good. Thank good. you so much for having us. Yeah, good, Trevor. Thank you. Hey, absolutely. Thanks. I'm glad you guys are on. So I know drone technology is kind of booming in the agriculture industry and just basically in general because there's, I mean, you've got like the DJ drones, the super popular ones, and you, then you've got like, I don't know, tens to thousands of dollars of drones. So it's a super cool industry. So tell me how you both kind of got started with drones. And I know you're in Illinois. So how did you 
how did you kind of start Aerial Influence? So, uh, you know, it's, it's a long story that goes back <laughs> uh, some decades, actually. Um, you know, we grew up together in Indiana uh, since we were like five years old. We grew up in the same neighborhood. When we were younger, we really got into the RC cars a lot. Like we were in leagues and we would go every weekend and race them against other people. Just always were really into that. Well, flash forward 30 years later and... You know, we had both gone on our different career paths, uh, Michael, into the real estate world. I was, I worked in television for about 25 years and, um, and it just kind of came full circle where somebody that I worked with was using a drone uh, in the broadcasting world. And I thought that was pretty amazing because, you know, shots that you could only get with a helicopter or an airplane in the past, now you can get with a relatively inexpensive drone. And that got Michael and I just kind of thinking more about the possibilities for other businesses as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, you talk to anybody for 15 minutes and uh, whatever they do, you know, really no matter what their uh, field is, they have, uh, they can think of a use for it. So um, we just kind of went from there. And really, so I kind of, you know, giving you the whole story, I sort of went, uh, continued in television uh, while Michael sort of went full force into this business. So for like two and a half years, right? You yeah, right before I'm, yeah. The, Michael sort of jumped into it full force, what, two and a half yeah, years ago? Yeah, so uh, 2016, we actually formed the business with the idea of David was still working in the television industry, that kind of thing. Um, we, we have a, an actual location. So we have an office with uh, 15 acres. Um, so we, we use that 15 acres for training and flying, um, kind of research and development. And then I guess you could say the office is kind of a uh, meeting grounds or, and, and, and a showroom. But um, it, it took a while because we wanted to, to do it right and have uh, kind of like an all-in-one type of experience for our clients. And it worked out where, what you, you know, a year and a half ago. Yeah, I was about a year and a half ago. I was available to basically start, uh, you know, doing this full time, and uh, and we've really been going at it pretty pretty hard since then. Uh, just trying to get our names out there and answering all the questions because there are certainly lots and lots of questions from people that right. maybe aren't you know sure about the technology or a little bit you know concerned or afraid of it. So. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, how have you guys seen the industry change? I mean, it seems like a few years ago, there was like a big boom in kind of like the, I think the Mavic Pro or something like that, like the super um, affordable, when I say super affordable, it's like three or $400 where people could kind of get into drone flying on their own. And now I have like a little one that's like the size of a half dollar and I got it for like 15 bucks on Amazon. So how has the industry changed? Like, have you seen more and more people kind of getting into drones? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, now you can get uh, little drones at Seven uh, Eleven or you know your your local gas station a lot of times. But um, you know, I guess early on we realized that um, it, obviously the drones came out big in the consumer world or kind of prosumer, I guess. And most of them were just kind of like uh, flying eyeballs or just you know they have cameras that kind of thing. But I would say over the last four years, they've really developed, um, they've come a long way. I mean, the technology's come a long way. The sensors on them have come a long way. They're, they're actually, you know, they're, they're hard to wreck now. Like, 
you know, aside from, you know, if you really are just trying to be reckless, if you're turning the sensors off, um, you know, trying to do something that you, you know, know a drone shouldn't be able to do, um, they're kind of hard to wreck, you know? I mean, they've got so many sensors around them. I actually did a test once just to see how one of our, our Mavics would do with the sensors and I drove it, you know, straight at my head going about, I mean, they'll fly up to about 35, 40 miles an yeah. hour and just kept it going straight to see what would happen. And it did, it stopped about 10 feet in front of me and would not go any further because it saw me, you know? So uh, I have that much faith in the drones. Um, you know, now if, if it had hit me, I, I yeah. probably wouldn't be talking. Well, so. you, you, that's when your cat-like reflexes would have taken That's over. right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, yeah. A friend of mine had the new GoPro drone whenever it came out and he was saying that if it loses connection with you, no matter how far away it is, it will fly back to its point of origin. And that's so cool. Like, I mean, it won't crash or anything because it just loses signal with you. It will just fly back to its point of origin. And I mean, yeah, it seems like the technology for that is just always kind of growing. It, it is. And especially in the agricultural side, I mean, when you can, yeah. when you can, you know, go out and plan uh, a field, uh, basically like if you're going to spray your field or if you're going to use something like, uh, you know, a multispectral camera, and you can set it up autonomously so that you're literally just, you're drawing a map like on your iPhone screen and saying, I want to spray this area or I want to take pictures and make a, a multi-spectral map of this area. It does it by itself. You hit go. I mean, you could put the remote down and walk away and come back. You're not supposed to do that, you know, but you could. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, when you, when you come back, it, it, the drone would be landed and be finished taking all of its pictures. So, it, they have come a very long way in that regard where you're going to see a lot more automation. I mean, a farmer, you know, could go out in the field with one of our spraying drones and cover seven to 10 acres in an hour. And, and literally the job of the person flying the drone is just mapping. They're setting up perimeters mm -hmm. and they're telling the drone where to fly and then they're hitting go and it takes, so it takes the rest of it uh, by itself. So. Yeah. And, and in addition to that, I mean, like, like you said, Trevor, um, it, it's recording its GPS takeoff location. So if it does, you know, something catastrophic happens to the remote, uh, the drone knows where it, it took off. So it can then essentially return to home with uh, no remote or, 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 or iPad connection. And uh, in addition to the spraying drones, you know, obviously you can't spray hundred acres just on one uh, smaller tank because these are you know definitely here for for spot spraying right now but they're getting to the point where they can do uh, much more acreage um, but it comes back if it's out of pesticide or if it's out of the battery and it kind of has like a small internal battery that remembers that last break point so if it did you know maybe a tenth of the field already it comes back, you fill it up or put another battery in, it then uh, resumes back where it had left off. So you're, you're not gonna be wasting uh, pesticide uh, due to overlap or have to start over or something like that. Um, you know, our job is to basically figure out um, what our customer needs today. Um, can it be done? Um, and if it can, is, is it, uh, you know, is the return on investment, uh, you know, I guess 
good enough for him to make that purchase. Right. And I, I would say that regardless, maybe if they're not getting something that's the, uh, the latest and greatest drone, they're getting something to just at least get the familiarity of um, how it is to fly and, and uh, kind of, kind of like what David said, the ease, I mean, they're, they're pretty easy to, to fly. Yeah. Right. Right. So how exactly did y'all get involved with the ag sector? I mean, I know like you're talking about, there's a lot of people that use drones to spray pesticides and I've even seen some, we've been meaning to get them on the show. His company is called Parabug and they actually have beneficial insects in a yeah. canister on a drone. And so, yeah, they, they fly over the field and drop the beneficial insect instead of pesticides. So that's another way to do it. But how exactly did y'all get involved with the ag industry and what kind of interest have you seen there? So we've seen, we've seen a ton of interest. A lot of people are very intrigued by what we're doing. A lot, a lot of people really uh, wanting to see demonstrations, wanting to see how it would work in the real world. Um, we have, you know, we've been successful. Uh, we've sold a couple of the ag grasses, the, the big spraying drones. That's not widely accepted yet. That's one that, you know, we're really working on being more broadly accepted. Um, how we got into the ag industry, you know, is really just we saw the, that that's where the, the technology was going. You know, neither of us are farmers. We're, we're grown guys. And uh, but we grew up in farm country. So we know those people. We know those customers. And, uh, you know, it, it just was a, seemed like the logical step for us because, you know, we're seeing record numbers of uh, bankruptcies in the agricultural world. And this is horrible. I mean, this is, you know, taking a toll on real people's lives and what we see and what we think is that drones may be a way for farmers to cut costs in a lot of ways. And while we understand that the drones are a cost, um, we think in the long runs, they're, it's really going to save them money, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and go ahead, the, other, the other thing is uh, we have a, a significant, well, at least what we think is significant, uh, you know, 15 acres. Um, to the non-farmer, that's, that's a lot of acreage. To the farmer, you know, that's just a, a tiny chunk, but we, we also want to use these drones. So we, we decided early on that we, we don't want, just want to be somebody that is selling the drone and uh, saying, you know, here's your stuff. Um, if you need something else, let us know. You know, uh, we wanted to be able to, I guess, tell them that we have used these, um, we do use these. So we've gone through the process of, because the, the ag industry, um, as far as spraying drones is concerned, is a little bit different uh, as far as just getting your, uh, they call it the 107 uh, certification. It's kind of like a drone license. Um, when it comes to agriculture, if you're spraying something that's considered a um, dangerous, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, this, yeah, I can't think of the word. Um, basically, you know, you're using a pesticide, so it's uh, seen as has, hazardous material. material. Yeah. So, and, and so one, hold on, I, I'm going to have him start that sentence over again. Just okay. cause it yeah. kind of got this. That, that's fine. That's fine. No worries. Yeah. Uh, so just, yeah. This is where the 25 years comes in handy. <laughs> <laughs> there you uh, go. On David's part. <laughs> so, yeah. So there are added regulations when it comes to spraying because under the 107 law or the drone certificate, you're not allowed to um, fly with hazardous material. 
Um, you know, obviously you can't weaponize a drone, but you also can't have a uh, restricted use pesticide um, hanging from a drone unless you get the proper exemptions. So right now, I mean, the FAA is doing a lot, they, they're trying to do a lot of um, work with the drone community, but right now it's, it's, it's a little up in the air because we have to kind of go, okay, let's see what the manned aviation has done in the past, like the spraying helicopters, the spraying, uh, you know, air tractors, that kind of thing. And then they have to modify it a bit for the, the drone users because, you know, one thing says, okay, you have to have a seat belt in your, your agricultural manned aircraft. Well, you obviously don't need one in a drone. Um, so you need exemptions on, you know, some of that side. And then when it comes to the drone portion, you need an exemption to carry a hazardous material. So there's that, that's why the, I guess, adoption rate has been lower for a spraying type drone. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I was curious as to how regulations have kind of changed because I know the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, has probably been, I don't know, kind of curious to, to regulate drones because I know like there are some places that are no-fly zones or you've got to have line of sight. So, I mean, yeah. has, that kind of, has that kind of been a hindrance for you guys or have you all kind of found some really good ways to kind of work around that? Um, so what's going on with the FAA right now and drones is it's kind of like we know what they're wanting to do. They've got a proposal out there that is going to pretty heavily restrict uh, hobbyist drone pilots, I think. Uh, you know, our suggestion is if, you know, for people to look that up, take a look at exactly what it offers and, and they need to go to the FAA and, and put their concerns in because this is something that's going to be passed in the next few months and it, and it is going to severely limit uh, what, you know, especially hobbyists where they're allowed to fly anywhere in the country. So that's going to be hard. We've had great experiences with the FAA so far, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've come out, they've, they've uh, seen our drone, uh, the spring drone in action. They've, you know, approved it. That's how we got our part of how we got our 137 waiver approval. Um, so for us, it has not been an issue at all working with the FAA. They've been, they've been right. great, uh, great to us so far. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line, it comes down to uh, the FAA is interested in safety and obviously they want to keep the people that are in those manned aircraft safe. And they also know that drones aren't going anywhere and they're just going to get, they're, they're going to be used more and we need to figure out how to integrate them into our national airspace. Yeah. You're you're not going to put the, the drone genie will not be put back in the bottle at this point. Right, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, yeah. it, they're here to stay. And I think the FAA realizes that, which is why they want to, you know, as quickly as possible, get their regulations, uh, you know, where they need them to be. Yeah. I like that analogy. The, the drone genie is not going back in the bottle. <laughs> yeah. anytime right, right. That's smart. That's smart. How is, what's your spray drone like? Like, I'm sure it's not like a quadcopter with a spray bottle on it. So, I mean, what does it look like and how did you come up with the design for it? So, well, go ahead. Yeah, so what we, we work with uh, DJI primarily as far as, that's kind of one of the, the largest drone manufacturer in the world and many other companies have made third-party software, third-party uh, cameras, sensors for that. So we, you know, we did not manufa manufacture the drone. But uh, what it looks like is 
there's two different two types one is an octocopter and it is under when it's fully loaded it's under 55 pounds so it has eight eight uh, arms with propellers on it that can be outfitted with a spray tank or a spreader so it's actually uh, kind of like a hopper so you can do anything from spraying uh, for pesticides, herbicides, that kind of thing, to putting on the spreader for doing cover crops. Maybe when the corn is already five feet tall, you want to get a little bit of cover crop, uh, clover or something in there uh, without driving a tractor and, and knocking over, um, you know, several rows. Um, then they've got one that is larger, which you have to go through a, a little bit deeper set of uh, exemptions. And when that's fully loaded, that's about 90 pounds. Um, so these are, these are obviously serious machines. You know, when you're talking about, you know, this is why the FAA is, is going to be so, you know, picky about this stuff. You're, you're yeah. flying a 55 pound object through the air, you know, uh, and in the case of the T-16, a, a 90-something pound drone through the air. So, so yeah, I mean, the, the regulations in the agricultural side, we really are just at the beginning of it all. You know, right. um, so while we are not inventors and didn't design the drones itself, we, we, are, we do feel like we're kind of pioneers in the fact yeah. of uh, we're some of the only folks out there sort of pushing how, how drones are going to save money and save time and tighten up a lot of different operations with a lot of different agricultural operations um the way they're they're currently doing things gotcha yeah and, and y'all talked about it before and i'm checking out your website right now and you've mentioned that i mean not only in the ag sector but also different places like police work and firefighters are also using drone technology so what are some ways that kind of different agencies and different industries are using super popular drones right now to solve problems that they have so i think our biggest adopter so far has been uh, police fire departments um, especially police and search and rescue in general. Yeah. Um, we've had people, you know, we work, we work a lot with uh, the Elgin, Illinois Police Department. They, you know, say they've saved lives uh, with the drone. They saved one guy in particular uh, who was in diabetic shock in the middle of the woods, could not find him. People were on the ground. They didn't see him. They could hear something, but they couldn't find him. And the drone was able to get up in the air, see his thermal, you can see the heat signature of the body and they were able to find him in time and save his life. So that's one of the main ways uh, we feel like drones are really impacting the world. Um, they're also using drones for mapping, 3D mapping of like crime scenes or accident reconstruction. You know, they can take a drone up and literally make like a 3D model of with accurate measurements and everything in 20 minutes uh, with, with uh, some of the drones that we have. So, yeah, it, it's, adding to what David said, I mean, it's really an easy, uh, I guess, adoption or, or, or sell, so to speak, uh, because one, you're helping save time with, with the, the police and fire. So you can find somebody quicker. Um, that's obviously beneficial to the public. It's beneficial to you know, the, the search and rescue uh, operation when there, when there might be a fatality in a crash scene, getting that evidence collected in a timely manner 
Um, we've all been in those traffic situations where you, you're rerouted or you're doing like a U-turn because there's a crash. Sometimes they can cut off a road for you know six hours or something. Uh, this is a way that they can obviously get the medical help there, but then they can gather that uh, information uh, through you know ground operations and the air, and then get that 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 uh, road open again. Um, you know, they're using indoor drones for, you know, some, some you know, crazy situations where there may be an active shooter or, or some type of hostage situation. And instead of putting uh, one of the SWAT people in, in, in the line of fire, so to speak, um, you can maybe clear a room with an indoor drone and you could just have it either hover or sit there and at least you're giving kind of like a, an eye into what they're getting, you know, what the SWAT team, what the police are getting themselves into. Um, and the cost of a, of a drone, you know, you send the drone and it gets shot down by somebody that's, you know, right. uh, that's, that's, you, you can't, know. you could, you can't put a value exactly. on, on human life and yeah. it either helps the police, the people that are, that are, you know, searching for the person and the person and all the loved ones. It's just, uh, that's why that sector has been probably the biggest and quickest adopter of drones yeah. because it's so easy for everybody to see how it can benefit. Outside of that, I mean, I would, so that search and rescue obviously is the big one. Um, construction companies, they're using them. They're, they're literally, they can do volumetrics with the drones so they can tell if, there's something, you know, on their uh, construction yard that they need to, they need more of. There's more stone that they need. There's more gravel that they need. They can literally send a drone up and it can tell them how much they have and when they need to reorder it. They can, you know, just check the, uh, the project as it goes day to day. They can go out 20 minutes a day and fly a map just to see how the building is progressing. Um, we've got energy companies that are using them now. We are working with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. They're using one of our drones uh, to actually track the, uh, the migration and mating habits of ducks. So right. they, they're using one of the thermal drones, which can actually see heat signatures. And uh, that's how they're keeping track of the ducks. So we thought that one was pretty interesting. Um, right. Yeah. But I think that the real answer is that almost, you know, almost any – Industry. industry that you get into aside from if you're you know going to go into the funeral business yeah or, or, i can't imagine you know or surgery right a doctor that's a different drone, drone. Using yeah <laughs> uh there's there's a there's a use for drones in just about every business sector you can think of yeah and, and trevor there another one is uh crop insurance actually um so the the insurance the, the the companies that are insuring the crops, if you have uh, wind damage or something, the, the, the corn stalk has to be um, snapped or, or bent at a certain degree. Uh, you can use a fairly simple drone to go out and collect that data to say, okay, this area is, is, was affected by wind damage. Uh, and then you can easily get that actual dimensions and area um, and then it makes it uh, that much easier and quicker for okay the farmer to get paid for that damage. So, I mean, it's it's like David said, it's uh, it's another tool, and and I think it's just going to be a tool that is continually used and adopted. Mm -hmm.
Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. And I think we were talking earlier on the phone, whenever we kind of touch base that there's a bunch of programs, especially around Florida, that they have drone classes in agriculture science classes. So, I mean, they're teaching them how to use drones in the ag industry. And I feel like that's definitely going to continue and definitely in, I mean, even for students that are interested in being police officers or firefighters, they're just going to continue to learn all the cool little uses for drones. Um, yeah, I, I think it's actually, I, I actually think it's going to lead people that may not previously have gone into certain lines of work. It may lead them into that. Like somebody yeah. that never wanted to be a police officer before might be like drones. That's, yeah. right. I wanna, I'm going to go be a police officer now. Maybe they weren't going to get into farming, but if they can do it with technology, with drones, you know, that, that yeah. may be something that leads them down their path. Oh yeah. I mean, it's such a cool little new industry. And so people are all curious to learn more about it and do it. I remember, and I wanted to tell you guys this story, a friend of mine that had the GoPro drone, his dad like broke his leg or something was kind of housebound for a while. Well, he lived, I think like a mile or two from his dad. And so he would take the GoPro drone, which it would give you a live feed from the camera, fly it to his dad's house, look through the windows and his dad would wave and be like, Hey, I'm okay. Then he would fly the drone back. And it was such a funny way of, he could just check on his dad without calling him. I mean, technology. (laughs) It's crazy. I mean, there's, you know, there's a group in New Zealand. I'm not, I'm not sure if I mentioned this the other day, but there's a group in New Zealand that's actually using one of the drones. It's got a speaker on it. One of the drones we sell has a speaker on top. So you can, you know, it can be used for search and rescue different for different things. Uh, if they want to communicate with somebody that's lost or whatever, but what these folks are doing is they've recorded the sound of a dog barking into the drone and then they're using it to actually like herd cattle and herd sheep. So they're flying the drone around, it's barking, you know, like they would normally hear from a dog, but instead of a dog, it's, it's a drone. Oh my goodness. That's clever. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, so where do you guys see the future of drone technology going? I mean, do you think that things like drone racing are going to get super popular or do you think everybody's going to have a drone? Where do you see the whole drone industry going? I think that, uh, I think you're going to see it. And Michael made this point to me earlier. I think you're going to see it get both smaller and bigger. I think, you you know, right now, as far as the the drone, the actual sizes of the drones, I think, uh, you know, right now you're seeing things like the Mavic Mini, which is just hugely popular. It's like 500 bucks and, you know, you can fly it indoors and outdoors and that's just a great entry level drone for people. So I think you're going to see more and more adoption from people because the price point is coming down. The drones are, are you know, much more responsive. They're much uh, more intuitive and they're much easier to use. So you're going to see it in that regard get smaller but you're going to see other drones on the other side, like the farming drones are going to probably get bigger and bigger. You know? Right. I mean, they, they've already had, um, I mean, really the, the, the spraying drones have been around for 20 years. I mean, they, they've been using uh, remote like RC helicopters in, you know, Japan, China. Uh, China, that kind of thing. So, you know, obviously you're going to need to have some drones that have heavier payload. Um, and that payload's not always gonna, just going to be uh, spray and seed. It's going to be people. You know, there's going to, I mean, they've already started, there's several companies um, that, that are starting to do and test for, uh, I guess, what do you call urban mobility? Yeah. Uh, urban air mobility. So 
you're going to be flying or, you know, some people are going to, at some point going to be in these drones and they're going to be autonomous and it's going to be point A to point B. And it might be, uh, you know, over, you know, probably a shorter distance at first, but then there, there might be ones that are doing cargo or uh, moving stuff from one site to the other site on a, on a construction site type, type thing. Um, where, where so. I don't, where I don't see uh, drones going in the future, and I think this is an important one, is they're not going to replace anything fully. You know, dr- yeah. drones are not going to come in and replace crop dusters, and they're not going to come in or aerial applicators, or and, uh, you know, that's that's not what they're going to do. These are they're just they're tools. They're right. it's like a wrench. You know, it's something you've got in your toolbox. If an aerial applicator who typically flies with an airplane has an area that he's not able to reach. Maybe this is a wise investment for him because he's able to reach an area he was never able to reach before. Um, You know, so it's looking at it as a tool, not as a replacement, not as, you know, they're not, drones are not coming to take anyone's job. Um, They are going to change the industry in some regard, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, they're not, they're, they're just a tool in the tool shed. Yeah, they seem like they're going to be much more complimentary than anything, kind of not, like I said, not replacing anything, but just kind of being another tool that people can use no matter what industry that they're in. That's right. That's cool. Well, David, Michael, this has been really cool talking about all things drones and kind of how they're being used in the agriculture industry and a bunch of other industries, that's for sure. Um, If people want to learn more about you guys and more about aerial influence, where can they go to kind of see what y'all are up to? Yeah, I'd say the best place probably we're, we're working on our website still. So I would tell them to go to our Facebook page, just go to Facebook and search up aerial influence. And that's a E R I A L influence, um, or on YouTube as well. We have a YouTube channel search for aerial influence and you'll find us there. Yeah. Or give us a call, uh, give us a call, uh, email, anything. Yeah. Uh, contact at aerial uh, uh, Phone number 312-278-7232. Perfect. Well, we will link all that stuff for this episode. Um, Really cool business you guys have going on. Really cool. Excited to kind of see what happens next with you guys. I'm glad y'all came on. Thanks so much and wish y'all the best of luck with Aerial Influence. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Farm Traveler Podcast. Your support means a ton. If you want to follow us again, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We're super active on both of those platforms. Check us out on YouTube. If you, you know, like to listen to podcasts at work, you can simply play our YouTube videos, which feature the whole podcast. If you want to support the podcast, of course, sharing with your friends and family helps us out a great deal. But also we are launching our Patreon page. If you want to support the podcast, whether it's a dollar, three dollars or five dollars a month, it really helps us get the message out there and helps us and is going to help us do a lot of really cool stuff down the road. So if you're interested, head over to Patreon and look for Farm Traveler or just go to our website and all of our links are there. Website is just thefarmtraveler.com. Thanks for listening and we will see you in the next episode.
you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.